Conversations with God. Yeah, I'm pretty pumped about it. Conversations with God or encounters with God. We're going to be talking about creating a culture of prayer at this church, okay? Uh, we, we have prayer, we do prayer, but I don't know that it's as you know, high a priority in our minds that it is, is that it should be, okay? If you don't have one of our outlines, slip up your hands and our ushers will get you one. But we're going to be talking about how to actually engage God, how to, um, how to have conversations with Him, how to, how, to, how to know how to pray and talk to the Lord. And what, what does the Bible have to say about prayer? You know, how many of you think that's important? What does the Bible have to say? What does God have to say about this whole idea of prayer since it's His idea? And so over the next several weeks, probably into the new year, um, myself as well as the teaching team will be breaking it down, and each week we're going to talk about some more perspectives and what God's Word says about it, and it's going to be an awesome time. So I believe that we need God to come and touch our church and touch our city like never before. How many of you believe that? Hey, if you don't have one of our outlines, slip up your hands. Did I say that already? Okay, got, gotcha, okay. I saw him back there in your hand. I'm like, did I forget it? <laughs> we need God to come. Everyone say, we need God to come. We need God to come like never before. We really do. I mean, the, 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 whole, the whole landscape of our, our country and the whole landscape even of our city um, and, the, and the struggles that we face even in our church and our churches around the city, um, we need God to come into our church, into our city, into our state, into our country, into our world like never before. This verse is our foundation verse from 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14. It says, if my people, can I see the hands of all of God's people today? Come on, that's right. Good, 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 all right. It kind of looks like most everyone. So this verse is to you, right? Are you listening? This verse is to you. If my people who are called by my name, can I see the hands of those of you that are called by his name? Okay, good. Are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will what? I will heal their land. Now, notice from the text that there's something powerful and something humbling about prayer. See, pride says, I got it all figured out. Pride says, I can do it on my own. Arrogance says, I don't need God, right? I, I can do this. I've got this. But, but humility says, I need God. And that's why I love this verse, because it reminds us that there's a posture of the heart, and, and next week we're going to be talking a lot about the posture of the heart. The posture of the heart is so important in prayer. Not the position of the body, but the posture of the heart. And so, so we're going to be talking about that, and, and I love this verse because it talks about the posture of the heart needs to be humility. If my people who are called by my name, in other words, that's the setup piece, will humble themselves and pray. Did you know that every time you pray, there's a humility involved? 
That by the very fact that you're praying and saying, God, I need something. I need your help. I need, I can't do this on my own. That's basically what you're saying. There's a posture of humility because you're, you're acknowledging the fact that you, you can't do it on your own. And you desperately need God to come through. And so the whole idea behind that is, is exactly what we want to accomplish in this whole context of conversations with God in prayer. And I don't know about you, but I know people talk a lot about prayer, but sometimes it's one of those things that we talk a lot about it, but don't do a whole lot of it. <laughs> you know, we, we say, I'll, pr- I'll be praying for you. You know, so, somebody's going through something, it's like, I'll, I'll be praying for you, and then we don't even think about it anymore. <laughs> and, you know, or I should pray about that, and we never think about it, see. So prayer is one of those things that we talk a lot about, but do little of. And I don't think any of us would argue with the fact that I think all of us could use a little bit of increase in our prayer lives. Is it just me, or would you raise your hand and say, yeah, I would agree with that. I could use some increase, right, in my prayer life, right? As a matter of fact, when I sit down and talk to people um, about their faith journey and where they're at in their walk with the Lord, that's generally one of the top topics that is shared. I need to pray more. <laughs> I, need, I need more prayer in my life. I need more of God in my life, say. And so the church, I believe the church is the one place where its members should be trained to engage the Father in passionate, biblical, accurate prayer. Did you, did you catch that, those three things? That we ought to be able to be trained to engage the Father, to have a conversation with Him, to have an encounter with Him in passionate, biblical, an accurate prayer. Because sometimes the way we go about prayer isn't biblical. It's not necessarily even accurate. It's certainly not passionate. And so I think the church ought to be the place we can do that. And even sometimes I think the churches, you know, get their priorities mixed up and get off on other things, and they need a reminder to get back on track with God to pray more, right? Listen, listen to this verse in Matthew chapter 21, verse 12. Jesus entered the temple area, or we could say that the church or the synagogue, right? The temple area, and drove out all of those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those who were selling doves. It is written, he said, my house will be called a what? Come on, let's all say it together, a what? A house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. What does Jesus want his house to be called? The house of prayer. You're, now, now, we could fill in the blank here in our culture and say, you know, well, we, don't, we don't sell doves. <laughs> we're good. <laughs> you know, we don't, we're not doing the money changer thing. We're good. And I mean, you know, you can, you can get your focus on things that are not prayer and not engaging God. And just all of a sudden you're sort of thinking about all this other stuff and you forget that God's house should be a house of prayer. And that's exactly what we want to accomplish in our time as we break down this, this whole idea of conversations or encounters with God, um, learning to create. Everyone say create. See, God, we're, God's going to help us create something here, 
a movement. We want to create a movement of prayer in not just our church, but our city. And so the whole idea is we don't want it to be about anything else but him and his house being a house of what? Prayer. That's God's heart. That's God's heart. And we want Metro Believers Church to be a house of prayer. We want that for this place. How many of you want that for this place? See, God, God can move when people pray. Recently, the Lord spoke to me about the need to increase our prayer as a church. And I, I just feel so passionate about this. Matter of fact, I've been talking about it for the last year. And now it's time to do something about it. Amen? <laughs> now it's time to do something about it, right? And, and to refocus ourselves on what's really important, and that's, that's him, right? That's developing a relationship and a conversation with him. And I'm asking all of us at Metro Believers Church to join me in turning up the power, turning up the intensity, turning up the passion for prayer. For this church, God knows we need prayer. Amen? For this city, God knows the city needs prayer. For this state and our country and our world, God knows we, see, God, God can move when, when people pray. As a matter of fact, Ian Bounds, the old writer, said this. He said, it seems that God can do nothing unless men pray. And it's so true because he is asking us as his kids to engage him to bring things to birth in a particular church or a city, say. It's a partnership. We're co-laboring together with God when we do that. And God, God's saying, if you'll, if you'll ask, I'll move. But he, he's inviting us to be a part of the process, to, 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 to invite him into this place, invite him into this city. Why? Because it does so many things. Not just the end result, but what it does in our hearts and how close we get to him when we engage God and we have conversations with him and, and we talk to him and we build that relationship. You know, the answered prayer and the movement is cool, but what happens on the inside of us is so important. See, God wants our heart. Amen? God wants our heart, and when we really get deep into prayer, we'll see our hearts knitted together with God like we've never seen before. And I, I think that prayer seems to increase Holy Spirit activity in a particular life, in a particular household, in a particular church, in a particular job. I think prayer increases the Holy Spirit activity, right? You want to you see God move at your workplace? Start praying. Start praying for your boss. Start praying for your coworkers. Start praying for your situations that you encounter and face every day. And all of a sudden, you'll start to sense the Holy Spirit there. And man, I'll tell you what, it's cool when that happens. And I think all of us could use some more Holy Spirit activity. As to, I know to some, prayer is not the most exciting thing in your life. You see it perhaps as a duty. You know, it's, 
you know, I've got to do this. I, I, my pastor says I'm supposed to pray. Okay. You know, or, you know, so-and-so says I'm supposed to pray. Okay. It's a duty. But here's what I found out. If we properly understand prayer, we can move from duty, check this out, to desire, to delight. Did you know if you will discipline yourself and learn to pray biblically, accurately, and passionately, you'll, it won't feel like a duty anymore. You'll start to desire it more and more and more. And then it turns into a delight. You can't wait to pray, right? You just can't wait to pray. And I think all of us need a paradigm shift when it comes to this whole prayer idea. Uh, let me give you some prayer ideas to help that shift occur. Check this out. This is what prayer is, okay? Prayer is, these are not in your notes. You can write them down if you want. Prayer is God's invitation to who? To who? To you. Everyone say, that means me. Now, that wasn't everyone. Everyone say, that means me. Prayer is God's invitation to you to come and have fellowship with him. Isn't that a cool thought? See, that's a shift. I call it a paradigm shift. It's a perspective shift, okay? So it's prayer. It's God's invitation to you. Ever get an invitation from someone that you really love and it just touches your heart? It, it, well, that's what God's doing to you every single day. He wants to meet with you, right? He wants to meet with you. Next, check this out. Prayer is our need crying out to the Father. It's our heart. It's our need. It's, it's our need crying out to the Father. Pr- that's what prayer is. Prayer is, next one, prayer is the voice of faith. See, see f- faith is so important in prayer. And, and prayer is the voice of our faith. See, prayer is voice activated, if you will. And so it's not just a thought. You just don't think about prayer, you actually give it a voice. So prayer, as we start to understand it more, prayer is the voice of our faith. Prayer is also, prayer is also, it's not a duty, it's a privilege, it's not a struggle, it's a visitation. Prayer is not a duty, it's a privilege. Everyone say privilege. It's not a struggle, it's a visitation from heaven. And man, when you really get into prayer and you sense God's presence, how cool is that? Seriously. Some of you have never done that. You've never taken this serious enough to really dive into prayer and and tapped into what's available to you, and you've never really sensed the presence of God show up in your living room or your bathroom, (laughs) wherever that is. You've never sensed it, but it's a privilege. That's what prayer is. It's not a struggle. It's a visitation. Check this out. Prayer is also, it was given to, to man by God to what? See, this is the, this is the paradigm shift. It's, it was given to you as a tool, as a gift to change things. See? So everywhere you go, you're a change agent, right? Everything you see that you pray for, it's subject to what? Change, right? And so that's the cool part about prayer. Prayer was given to man by God to change things. It it was given as a gift to you to engage the Father on someone else's behalf. 
can't tell you how many times I pray for people on the street or drivers or, you know, people at a grocery store or whatever. This whole weekend, I've been praying for all these different things and these different people. I believe God's doing something in their lives. Why? Because prayer was given to me to change things. Next, prayer, or to see a need is a call to prayer, just like I said. You see a situation, you see someone struggling, you see someone, you know, can't hardly move, you see whatever, you see someone, you know, angry and upset and, or driving crazy, you know, that seems to be my issue. <laughs> I see people driving crazy all the time, you know, slow, I don't know if you hate that. What are you doing? You know, this is not a parking lot. Speed up, you know. Oh, that reminds, reminds me to pray for him, right? So to see a need is a, is a call to prayer, but prayer is a conversation with God, and that's what this series is all about, conversations with God. Prayer is a conversation with God. Check this next one out. Prayer is a conversation with God. It's simply talking things over with God. That's, this is what prayer is. It's talking things over with God, and it's getting his will and his plans and his views and carrying them out by his grace and his ability and his wisdom in our lives. Think about that. It's, it's a conversation with God. It's, 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 it's getting your marching orders from him. It's having having the Lord sort of giving you his heart for whatever you're involved with. Did you know he wants to do that? See, when we're in prayer, we are laboring together with God to bring his will into the earth. Prayer, prayer has a twofold value. First, it's fellowship, and that's the most important. It's fellowship with God. And second, it's the answered prayer piece. And here's what I found out. Prayer is where all battles are won or lost. Prayer, not your ability to negotiate or communicate, not, not all that stuff, you know, not having all the right pieces. No, listen, prayer is where all battles, how many? All battles are won or lost. How many want to win more battles? Let me see your hand. Yes. Well, the, the answer is prayer. Not more money, you know, not more influence necessary, but prayer where God comes to our rescue and comes into our life with his presence and, and, and gives us his wisdom and his anointing and his ability to do what he's called us to do. That's what prayer does, is God speaks into our heart as a result of that. Prayer, another, another paradigm shift, prayer is as essential to the Christian as food is to the physical body. How, how many of you think that's pretty important? How many of you ate something this morning? Let me see your hands. All right. Yeah, most of us. So, yeah, and it was important, right? How many of you are going to eat something the rest of the day? Let me see your hand. Okay, yeah. But, but do we pray that often? Do we think about prayer that much? See, in our hearts and our lives, let me just share with you, prayer is essential. If you look at it that way and you see that, it's not, it's not really a got to, it's a get to. 
Did you hear me? Prayer is not a got to, it's a get to. It's not something you've got to do, it's, a something, it's something you get to do. So it's obvious that we need to pray powerfully and effective in our lives, and we need to look at it the right way. Because if you don't, once again, it's a got to. It's a duty, ah, oh, gotta pray again. Oh. No, it's a get to. We get to pray again. We get to pray again, amen? And so I just, I wanna start off this whole idea with laying the ground, this is just foundational. This is just the foundational piece of what we're gonna be talking about over the next, we'll say, couple months. You say, why are you gonna talk about it so long? Because it's important, amen? It's important that we all understand and learn how to pray more effectively. So here are some biblical mandates that I think, just from a scriptural perspective, and I've learned, Vicki and I have learned over the years, that are absolutely critical in building a solid, effective prayer life. Here we go. First, keep your heart right with God and people. Keep your heart right with God and people. What do I mean by that? Mark chapter 11 Verse 23 tells us, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes what, that what he says will happen, it'll be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you've received it and it'll be yours. How many of you love that part so far? You just think about that, that those two verses. Man, I'm telling you, I love that. I love those verses. But check this out, verse 25, and, how many of you know and means he's not finished talking? In other words, it's part of the equation. <laughs> and when you stand praying, what's the topic here? Prayer, right? So when you stand praying, we're talking about prayer, we're talking about conversations with God. When you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, what does that include? <laughs> Think about it. Picture someone perhaps that you right now have something against. Just think about it. That's what it's talking about. If you have anything against anyone, what's the response? Do what? Do what? Come on, help me now. Forgive him so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Now, now notice that the text reveals that unforgiveness, unforgiveness blocks the promises of God and sabotages your prayer life. Did you hear me? Uh, that's the whole idea behind the text. It, it literally blocks the promises of God in your life, and it sabotages your prayer life. And God's saying, you know what? You've been forgiven. Why don't you forgive them? That's the thing that ticks God off, if you will is we're for, how many of you are forgiven a lot? Let me see your hands. Yeah. How many of you mess up from time to time? How many of you have made a mistake today? Yeah, probably. And the Bible teaches us that we have been forgiven much. We should forgive much. And we, when we hold on to, to people's sins or trespasses against us, then we're basically saying we're bigger than God. We're going to hold on to that when God's saying, I forgive you. 
no matter what it is. And so it sort of puts this little block up, wall up, if you will. And how many of you have ever sensed that wall when you're praying? And all of a sudden, you know, remember, yeah, yeah ooh, that turd or whatever. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> at least I didn't say the other one. <laughs> you know, whatever, that jerk, whatever, you fill in the blank. <laughs> you know, so bitterness and grudges and unforgiveness stops God from moving in our behalf. Second, second piece is simply confront the enemy. This is the second biblical approach and mandate to a real effective conversation with God. Confront the enemy. Ephesians tells us, be strong. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your, what? Stand against the devil's schemes. Notice. We're called to take our stand, not let him have his way over our lives and over everything that, that, you know, involves us so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Another translation says strategies. Another translation says plans. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the devil's schemes or strategies or plans in your life. And then he goes on to tell us why. Because our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. In other words, take your stand. Don't let him have his way. You need to learn how to fight the good fight. Learn to take authority over the devil in the affairs of life and realize that people are not your problem. The enemy is, amen? Did you know as a believer in Jesus Christ, as a new creation in Christ, you have authority over the devil? Did you hear me? Some of you don't think you do. Some of you don't know you do. Because we're in Christ. Anyone who is a new creation or a new creature is what? In Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. And you now have authority. Everyone say authority. authority. Let's say it one more time. Say authority. authority. Now say it with authority. authority. There you go. See, we have authority over the devil. He, he does not have authority over you. This is a paradigm shift for some. And you need to learn how to stand your ground. The Bible tells us when we've done everything to stand, do what? Stand some more. Don't back down. You've been given authority. Check this verse out, Luke chapter 10, verse 19. I have given, this is Jesus speaking, I have given you authority. Jesus gave us authority to do what? To trample on snakes and scorpions and to what? Overcome how many? All the power of the enemy and nothing will harm you. Come on. What does that verse tell you? Step up. Stand up. Take your place and your position in Christ. And don't back down from the enemy. Fight the good fight of faith. That doesn't mean nothing bad ever happens. No, but you take your place. Amen? And you stand your ground. Here's another one. 
Here's another one. This is just basic stuff. Learn, learn to ask in, according to his will. Learn to ask whatever you're asking for according to God's will. That's the important, in other words, pray his agenda first. It's God's agenda. Listen, listen to 1 John 5. This is the confidence we can have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we've asked of him. So the prerequisite for answered prayer is asking according to God's will. Did you hear me? But here's, here's, here's the caveat. If you want to know God's will, you have to know God's word. See, God's will and his word are one. People are saying, well, I don't know what God's will. No, get in the Bible. You, you can find out what God's will is, right? Just get in the word. That's, see, God was genius in tying it like this. Because you need to learn to pray according to his will. Well, you can't know his will without knowing his word. See, and that, that ought to propel us into his word so that we can know his word so we can pray according to his will. Amen? So think about that. That's, that's why we get into God's word. We, we want to know his will. We want to know God's ways. Scripture says, my ways are not your ways, but they can be. Did you hear me? They can be, if you'll be a good disciple. How many of you guys want to be good disciples? Disciples of Christ, yeah. Jesus' people. So here's the deal. You can't know how to pray effectively with confidence unless you know God's will. You can't have confidence in your prayers. Here's another one, number four. Have confidence in your relationship with him. Have confidence in your relationship with him. See, you and I are accepted and highly valued by him. And you need to learn how to have confidence in your relationship with him. You're a king's kid. <laughs> Did you hear me? You're a child of the king. You're an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. <laughs> talk, about, talk about being t attached to the right family. <laughs> yeah. So have have. Confidence in your relationship with him. Don't, you don't have to say, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if God really loves me. He loves you. Did you hear me? I don't know if he'll accept me. He accepts you. Do you hear me? I don't know if he values me. Ah, he values you. You were worth Jesus to him. And that can give you not, not arrogance or confidence in your own ability, but arrogance and confidence in the fact that you're a child of the king, okay? Just the fact that I, I can't believe it, I'm, I'm, I'm a child of the king. See, an effective prayer life is not transactional, it's relational. Did you hear me? An effective prayer life is, is, is not transactional. It's not, you know, 
I said this in Jesus' name. So this is not formulaic. This is, I don't want you to go there with me. I'm just talking about what the Bible has to say about prayer. Some basic, simple understandings of biblical prayer. This is not, I, I did one through 10. Pastor Glenn said if I do that, I would get it. <laughs> it's not transactional. It's, it's relational, right? That's what it's about. It's relational. Hebrews 4 tells us, verse 16 says, let us then approach the throne of grace with what? With what? With confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Wow. We can approach the throne room. Wow. Of grace, with confidence. See, you belong in his presence. Did you hear me? You know, you're not one of his estranged kids that don't belong in his presence. He wants you in his presence. You belong, you belong in his presence. You can lean, lean in on the very fact that, that you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Yeah, 2 Corinthians 5.21. It's right there in the Bible. God made him, who's him? who knew no sin, to be sin for us. In other words, everything you've ever done wrong was nailed to the cross with Jesus. Sin for us so that you and me, that we might become the righteousness of God. (laughs) Listen, you have right standing with God. He's not mad at you. You have a right relationship with God. He loves you. He wants you. He wants to spend time with you. See, that's the paradigm shift that we all need, that he wants to be with us. God loves you. He accepts you. Right standing with God is so cool when you understand that answered prayer is based on his merit, not yours. Amen? And I'll end today with number five. We'll pick this up again next week and go deeper into the heart positions. Is understand the power of agreement. Did you hear me? Understand. See, God never intended for you just to be alone in prayer. He wants you to build relationships and pray together. See, God wants you in community. Just so you know, there's no Lone Ranger Christians. Even Lone Ranger had a tonto. Serious. He wants you to build relationships. He wants you to be in community so that you can pray, but you can also pray with others. He set it up. He set it up that there's power in agreement. Why why is that so powerful? Because of the very fact that you've You've overcome the hurdles of relationship. How many of you know the hurdles to relationships? It's tough stuff. It's easy to start one, harder to maintain, right? And when you do that and you build a relationship and you have a community and you're able to share your heart and invite people into prayer with you, there's a humility involved and a trust, and that's what God's looking for. He wants you to be in community with others, and he wants you to build a relationship Check this verse out, Matthew chapter 18 and verse 19 and 20. 
And again, I tell you, this is the Bible, folks. Again, I tell you that if two of you on earth, notice it's not just you here, if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done from you, for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there I am. We say that, you know, at church. Well, there's two or three gathered here. You know, so God's here, right? But it's tied to the prayer of agreement. It's tied to the prayer of agreement. There's so much power in the prayer of agreement. There's so much power. The Bible says that one of us can put 1,000 to flight, but two of us can put 10,000 to flight. Notice the exponential the exponential increase in the power that comes when we pray together with other people in agreement. Listen to this true story, and I'll be done after this little story. Judah can come up. Listen to this true story since it's Veterans Weekend today. It's about a soldier in the Vietnam War back in 1968. His nightmares began each day when he awoke. James Stiegel was 19. He was in Vietnam. Though he carried a small Gideon Bible, little New Testament, in his shirt pocket, he couldn't bring himself to read it. His buddies were cut down around him. Terror was building within him. And God seemed far away. His 20th birthday passed than his 21st and he was still in the field. At last, he felt he couldn't go on, and on February 26, 1968, he prayed for it all to end, and his heart told him that he would die before dawn. Sure enough, his base came under attack that day, and Jim heard a rocket coming straight toward him. Three seconds to live, he told himself, then two, then a friend shoved him into a grease pit, and he waited for the rocket to explode, but there was only a surreal silence. The fuse had malfunctioned. For five hours, James knelt in that pit, and finally, his quivering hand reached into his shirt pocket and took out his New Testament. Beginning with Matthew, he continued through the first 18 chapters. And when I read Matthew chapter 18, verse 19 and 20, which we just read, he said, somehow I knew things would be all right. Long after, Jim returned home. As he visited his wife's grandmother, Mrs. Harris, she told him of a night years before when she had awakened in terror. Knowing Jim was in Vietnam, she had a sense that he was in trouble. She began praying for God to spare his life. Unable to, unable to kneel because of her arthritis, she lay prone on the floor praying and reading her Bible all night. Just before dawn, she read Matthew 18, 19, and 20. If two shall agree down here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three are gathered together because they are mine, I am there among them. She immediately called her Sunday school teacher, who got out of bed and went to Mrs. Harris's house, where together they claimed the Lord's promise as they prayed for Jim until reassured by his grace and peace. Having told Jim the story, Mrs. Harris opened her Bible to show him 
where she had marked the message in the margin were the words, Jim, February 26, 1968. Wow, isn't that a cool story? Vicki and I have experienced stuff like that over the years where we'll feel an urgency to pray about something. Get, woke up in the middle of the night feeling urgency to pray about something or being about our day and be feeling urgency about praying for someone or something that's going on. My question to you today as we close is are you available to intercede and pray on behalf of other people? Are you open like Mrs. Harris to say, God, whatever you need from me, I'm available. Whatever you need. If you need me to go visit someone that's hurting, I'm in. If you need me to go help someone carry the load, I'm in. You need, you need me to pray for someone in the middle of the night, just wake me up. I'm in. See, that's passion. That's living out our Christian walk in life and being totally surrendered to God. That's what that looks like. It's not being a cultural Christian or you just go to church and put in your time and go home, kind of forget about it until next week. It's living this 24-7. See, God wants to use you. He wants to teach you. He wants to help you stand to our feet. Are you available? Are you too busy? Are you available for God to use? How many would say today, just being honest, you'd say, I haven't been as available as I should be. Let me see your hands. Come on. Yeah. How many want to change that? Let me see your hands. Good. God bless you. How many would say today that you're here but and you and you know about the Lord, but you're really not serving him and you're really not surrendered to him and you're really not giving your life fully to him? And you'd say simply, I'd like to change that today. If that's you, raise your hand. Just show me who you are. Anybody? God bless you, my friend. God bless you. Thank you so much. Can we say this together as a prayer? Jesus, thank you for dying on a cross for me. I surrender my life to you. I give you full control. I believe in my heart. Jesus, you died for me. And you rose again to secure my justification. Jesus, I declare you my Lord and Savior. Father, I pray for all of us here today as we start this new idea of going deeper with you. I think we all have areas to improve and to change sort of get rid of some of the stuff that just takes our focus and steals our energy 
causes us not to be who we need to be in you. God, every single hand that went up represents something that only you know about. And I ask for you to come now, Holy Spirit, and fill each life with the capacity to change. First the desire to, and next the power to, to bring the change that needs to occur in each of our lives today. Now let's just take a couple of minutes and worship him and then we'll be dismissed. Let's just sing this from our heart.